Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our Watch Club for Marvel's What If. Why stop at One World, huh? When we can show you all of them. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and I'll be your guide through these alternate realities in this Watch Club for What If, Episode 2, titled, What If T'Challa Became a Star-Lord? If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, well, you have to wonder, what if you did, and then came right back to join us for some interdimensional conversation? Now, before we explore all the worlds in the galaxy, let me introduce you to the lovely versions of hosts joining us today. First up, he's Justin. Hey, hey. But what if he was slightly louder and just a little more grumpy? He'd be Kevin Hudson. There That's we go. Right? That's yeah. what I'm digging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I was trying to be, you know, play it safe. And listen, sure, he's grumpy Kevin Hudson, but what if he was... Slightly less grumpy, slightly shorter, a lot higher, and had a longer amount of hair. <laughs> He'd be Darcy Hudson. That's uh, a very weird way of saying I have long hair. A longer <laughs> way of hair. Okay, we got it for next week. I am so excited to dig into this week's episode with you guys. But before we all steal from a collector with a bigger collection than myself and Darcy combined, let's get into the intro. So as fate would have it, at the exact moment, a Ravager spacecraft was arriving on Earth to abduct the spawn of the Celestial Ego. But in this universe, Yondu outsourced the assignment to his subordinates, and as it turns out, Kraglin and Taserface abduct the Prince of Wakanda, T'Challa, who goes on to become Star-Lord, Commander of the Ravagers. All right, so... Let's blast off here. I want to just get, let's just get right into it. Let's get into our high-level thoughts of the episode itself. Kevin, why don't you kick us off this time? Uh, yeah, this this episode just had so much fun. This was an it absolute was so riot. Fun. And I think the first episode, we, I mean, we talked about last week how great it was and how much we enjoyed it. But I think they were almost limited to what they could really do in terms of deviations with characters and everything like that. And it was important for them to have done what they did last week. But this week, you know, everything is just, it's guardians of the galaxy to an, to a brand new extreme. And it's so much fun yes. just throughout it. And I got to say, uh, you know, uh, shout out to uh, Korath, who is my favorite character in this episode. <laughs> what a fun spin they have with his character. Yeah, and bringing in uh, Jiman Hons Honsu, I guess is how we're gonna pronounce. Jiman Honsu, yeah. If I, yeah, if I got that wrong, he was the, normally he's the star of the series for me so far. I thought he just chomped in and had a blast. That was so much fun, and and it was so cool to sort of see how it was. It flowed so wonderfully, much like the first Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. movie. And we talked about this in our our review for for Suicide Squad. It's just like. It's it's it flowed so well and I just love how it was structured. The pacing was so well done and and I just think it was super cool because it was it was a heist storyline yeah. and you could see where it drew that inspiration from Guardians of the Galaxy, but the way that they 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 really elevated everything and and put Chadwick Boseman as the center of this story, I just thought it was so good and the overall messaging was so lovely and 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 it was just ah uh, I I can't get over how much I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I, I think um, I think the the heist aspect reminded me more so of like Ant Man than than the original oh. Guardians. And, and in okay, terms yeah. of pacing, when they get to their whole little flip de doo triple axle sort of act there, it, the pacing <laughs> just felt really clunky. I was like, wait, what? Right? Really? Yeah, it, it, just at that point, it, it really did. But I think up to that point. And then once they got through it and then we got through the other side of that story, it got really good, right? Like it was just that little, like that little hiccup there of, of, you know, who's screwing who in the whole heist. So I, I don't know. Um, you're right though, Nate, it, it felt so reminiscent and pacing of guardians up until that, that sort of point. And it had such great visual, visual cues from the movie that just, just, you know, scream Guardians of the Galaxy in some aspects, but you know, seeing uh, Chala as Star Lord and and how the the opening goes down, it was just it was so much more funnier, right? Like it, it was just it was it was hilarious and and absolutely like a riot on on a, on a different scale of then when we first met Star Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's funny just learn uh, learning that uh, his his version of Star Lord has clearly done things that get his name recognized. Exactly, the Star Lord we know from the MCU says he does great things but really doesn't so <laughs> yeah. i thought that was an immediate way to set the two apart and i thought it was a really cool thing i do agree with justin though that twist out of nowhere seemed like they're just like okay we need to have something happen that is like we need to have a twist type thing so they wrote it and didn't really workshop it to fit into the rest of the story because like, i totally agree where the pacing just died for that like you know two scenes and then picked up again yeah it was it good after up again it's yeah. just it was a weird way to get from point a to point b yeah. i feel like they could have done the same thing in a different route and have it just a more fluid story uh, other than that though i really loved it to what you were just mentioning about the pacing much like korath the pursuer i was just having way too much fun on this adventure to even notice or care <laughs> about any of the pacing like the, what you just talked about and to the <laughs> point where i just said the pacing was excellent and i still think it was um because i don't care i had yeah. so much fun um <laughs> there's so many really too, like i said <laughs> there's so many really funny moments in this show so many great comedic moments in this uh in this episode rather uh i know it's really tough to pick one but come on let's let's start shouting them out give me some of your favorite comedic moments in this episode anything thanos said basically because they kept setting <laughs> yeah. him up for the genocide jokes and everything like that and it's just it was grander it's more efficient with the snap and everything it's just like they know oh. exactly how to make fun of what was the biggest baddie that we've seen to date basically sure. and i thought that was Absolutely. so good Absolutely. and yeah. that recurring joke of him trying to convince somebody, anybody that this plan <laughs> that he wanted to do was good. It, it had its merits. You know, you know, <laughs> that was a great running joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. It also seems like this ongoing theme with kind of minimize the importance of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, make fun of it. Yeah. Let's have fun. Yeah. And, and, and it basically turning Thanos into like a guy with a crazy idea that he just thinks is great but everyone around him thinks it's pure genocide <laughs> and i just love with with nebula and how she calls uh, t'challa cha-cha yeah and just the way they sort of shifted her character from not being as serious as she is uh and just the moment when <laughs> when t'challa's like your dad's changed he gardens now i was just like <laughs> let's go like just that callback to endgame was just so good that's 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 almost the best part of this episode because obviously it does set up a huge question at the end of the episode. Um, but no, I just love how the the slight change in this story just lets us see all the better sides of everybody. Chala went around and, and brought out the good side and some of these people that we'd watched for so long be bad and evil and have to f- sort of fight against those urges. Well, here they are with a different sort of, you know, 
20 year span that's changed them as people and and lets us see the softer side of them and their whole point is to feed the hungry you know what i mean like that's that's very robin hood or rob what did he say robin leech or something like that i just like that moment because clearly it's like yondu also kept asking peter about earth stories because like the fact that he knows the same you know almost pop culture references despite picking up a different kid shows that like he wants to know the stories of earth just as much as you know t'challa or peter did when they were younger so i thought that was a very totally. a funny moment it's like mm-hmm. he, he likes these kids because they're just they're fun he likes mm-hmm. having fun with the kids basically he wanted to be a dad well listen speaking of him being a dad uh you know i know this show is called what if but i'd like to ponder a different question after seeing this episode uh, and, you know, before we kind of get into some of the really cool references that we'll, we'll probably get back to because we're big geeks, um, I want to ponder the question, where was? As in, where do we think the other daughter, Gamora, was during all of this? With Thanos and Nebula, you know, involved, why, why wasn't Gamora there? I talked to Kevin about this just after the show, actually, and I was like, we know there's a Mad Titan Gamora episode coming. Yes. So, like, what if, what if, you know, Thanos hanging up the blade being like, I don't need to do that where Gamora, you know, was already ingrained to the point where like, no, you need to do that. It is the right thing to do before she had that change of heart type thing later on. So wonder, wondering if she's the mad Titan in that universe. That was the main thing I was wondering is like, did she get adopted or did, and go through all that? Or did she just never meet Thanos and is having a happy life on her planet? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good question. Did she even get adopted? I didn't even think that far. I was thinking that she still got adopted, but, uh, the roles had kind of changed. Right. Like Gamora is still the excellent warrior that she is, but she will do her her father's bidding. And she probably went so far off the path. Right. Where she overtook her father because she saw that the weakness in him. Like that's what I was thinking. Right. Like she became Nebula. Exactly. She became Nebula and Nebula became Gamora, who dislikes her father and thinks that his his ideas are are stupid. They don't have any sort of justification of, of actually being. Right. Yeah, I absolutely hope that if if you know we are going to be revisiting characters from this universe, I, namely Gamora, I hope it is in this universe that we don't get multiple. You know that that that's an easy way I think for them to tell different stories, but within a thread that we're familiar with, and so we understand the rules and what's going on in them. And so I'm definitely under the impression that, like you guys said, she respects his idea, she wants to follow through, and so she's off there trying to make that happen while Thanos is just planting and and having a good time at the bar. See, I like I like all your responses so much more than what I was thinking, which sounds super cheesy, but bear with me. I think it's the power of love. <laughs> I think I think I think she's destined to end up with Peter Quill, and that's why we didn't see her in this in this story. She she has to be with Peter Quill and not just Star Lord. So I don't know. I think it's the power of love. <laughs> well, so but okay, so Star Lord getting abducted there, and you know, maybe he's being turned into the battery or whatever for the grand expansion. So what if Gamora, you know, being the mad titan that she is at this point, goes to stop Ego and then meeting Peter Quill is that turn and change of heart. Like, maybe it's Peter that made her change to the way that we know her. So, like, I think that'd be a really cool way, too. I I hope the power of love comes through. (laughs) I love that. I love love. And, you know, I think someone else who might love uh, his son, his Ego, the living planet, or maybe he does just want to use him as a battery, as you're saying. Uh, You know, those are your thoughts. I'm interested to see, you know, with with ego touching down to meet a now twenty something Peter Quill, if we do see the storyline continue, I like that idea of him kind of that way. He becomes sort of more of a villain. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other additional thoughts on on what might happen now that ego 
has met his son at that Dairy Queen. <laughs> I like. I think the expansion is definitely going to happen. I mean, that's the reason why he was after this yeah. battery to begin with. If we looked at you know Guardians two, the mounds of his you know offspring that he's tried yeah. and all failed with, whereas Peter was the one that worked. Like, I think now that he has Peter, he's going to be like, yes, this is good. Just you know, talking there, I just realized, what if Peter isn't going to work now because he's never held an Infinity Stone? When you think about that. Uh, Guardians 2 takes place after he and the rest of the Guardians, you know, channel the Power Stone through them. So without that opening the Celestial Pathways, what if he doesn't actually have any of the Celestial Power anymore? He's just a dud like all the others. Sure. I think think the idea, though, too, is that he always had that power, right? And that's why he was able to. He just never did hold an Infinity Stone. Like, I thought it was always in him as as, as who he was. Um, and just by chance, by him holding that 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 stone, that kind of revealed that. You bring up a good point, though, Dars. He he doesn't have the life lessons of the Peter Quill from our MCU. I think that the idea of making him the villain makes it really interesting, and it would be interesting if if that's how Gamora and and Quill paths cross as like villains rather than like the heroes. Yeah, and I also I I, I like the um, the idea that potentially him and his dad could have an epic dance-off together. I think that would be really cool if they could show us what would happen if they did start jamming out. Uh, but I also wanted to talk about this episode is chock-full. I mean, especially anytime you involve the collector. Chock-full of references. So let's start just ramming on them there. I want to know, you know, we've got the new rock stars of the world out there probably giving us all the different references, but I want to know what were some that stood out to you that maybe were your favorite? Uh, I mean, one of my the things I noticed when, during that, you know, fight scene between uh, Star-Lord and uh, Tavon was when he pulls out that, like, collection of weapons, and it, it looks like he has all the Avengers weapons on that that one screen there. But the, you know, I know I saw that the Thor's hammer, there. Cap's shield. There was a bow and arrow, like a bow, at least for you know Hawkeye. So I'm wondering if he went at one point and and killed the Avengers. Like, it's how else would he get those weapons unless those guys were all dead? Right. Totally. And I, I also, um, he, he, one of the weapons he was using, or rather, as like more of a shield, was the the arm of a chatty Cronin. Which uh, the only chatty Cronin I know is Korg. Korg yeah. <laughs> It's Korg's arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you gotta so think sad. he probably went to fight his brother too, because I mean they are like, the Grand Master and uh, the Collector are related in the in the grand oh, yeah, scheme that of would things. Totally so work. I can see him if he's going on this. You know, I'm the criminal underworld baddie of the thing. He'd definitely go after his brother, who has a you know a giant gladiator pit of weapons and and warriors. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where he got that you know chatty Corrigate arm. Yeah. We also see Leica the space dog. A few times, I think, in the episode. Cosmo. His name is Cosmo. Cosmo? In the MCU, thank oh, you. Yes. I'm, and he actually listen. was exposed to, uh, you know, cosmic radiation and is a telepathic dog now. So. Wow. Yes. Okay. They yeah, totally like changed it, it from, from the real world. Yes. That's it's yes. Yeah, because he's telepathic and okay. survived. So. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and like, you know, the animated world uh, kind of allows them to do things that might just be a little too silly to translate into live action. So with Cosmos the dog, with Howard the duck and him finally getting oh. sort of a scene, you know, this is the perfect avenue for them to play out those jokes that we can get a visual reference in the background in a live action movie. But then maybe you can put it on screen and it won't seem so silly in this animated world. And that had to be Seth Green, right? Yes. Well, 100%. Oh, yeah. oh. Yep. 
Howard the Duck is definitely Seth Green, and I love that. That was everything I wanted from Howard the Duck. He is just as <laughs> you know cocky and chatty in the comics, and he, that that one duck catchphrase I can't remember it now. But like, if you're out of luck, you go duck type thing. It's like right. that's something yes. he would say in the comics. He's always about making the duck pun when it's available. So I just I love that. Like he was a, a great addition to it, and seeing him more than just you know the throwaway scene in a bar type thing, I loved it. Totally. Also want to throw it too. The Drax with his family, he still has a happy yeah. family at home and he is such a, a jovial bartender. I, I loved it. It seemed a lot like first uh, Guardians Drax too. the, you know, how slow he is and he takes everything so literally type thing. You know, the quick like, oh, that was a terrible picture. I look great. You look awful. Yeah. Type thing. It was just <laughs> something that the original Drax, like uh, the first Guardians Drax, I could see saying easily and I, I mm. loved it. Yeah, they lose Drax a little in the second Guardians, and he becomes a bit loud and mean, I thought, you know, and they for, and they almost miss what made him funny, and it was that just complete lack of awareness and, and taking everything seriously, and so that Drax, A, the impression, that was a great Dave Batista impression, because he came out on Twitter and said that it wasn't him, um, and yeah, just seeing that character, because obviously Thanos hasn't gone around influencing the events that led to his family's death. And so, yeah, he gets to be a happy camper. And, and so just, again, another example of getting to see these characters, a little bit of a lighter side of them. The biggest call-out scene was, uh, for me at least, was was when he walks into, I guess, like the garage of the collector and the his, his necklace beacons go off and yeah. he finds his ship and just how they intertwine the music. Uh, it was one of those moments that you, you you reference in the score, and how they bring up the the sort of Black Panther theme um, as as he stumbles upon this like ship from Wakanda. So I thought that was I I really really liked how they how they integrated that. Yeah, and it kind of really calls back to Black Panther, right? It calls back to the moment that he talks with his dad, right? And it, it's just kind of cool to see that from a standpoint of like he he thinks his dad is dead in this moment, but he's not. When in Black Panther, he he, he was, was, yeah. Also, just while we're on the topic, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, was actually probably, from at least these first two episodes, the best voice actor. Like, he did a really good job, and I think they did a really good job pairing the animation to his voice acting. Like, the way he said things and the way his his facial reactions kind of went with what he was saying. Like, it just felt very refined and, like, very clean. And I don't know, like, I'm glad that they, like, before he passed that he was able to contribute and be a part of this project because he did he did a solid job and you know what a way to i guess in some ways wrap the story of of t'challa uh with with an alternate take and still having such a a bold impression in in a in in another in another multiverse timeline right yeah i thought he nailed like again you're talking about his voice acting i thought it was the perfect way like i felt he was a much a lighter a lighter t'challa he didn't have as much of a load on his shoulders sure. that t'challa yeah. of the mcu does yeah. yeah being freed from wakanda and being able to explore he seemed to be like hey he really enjoyed his life and yeah. you can tell that from the way just the character acted and stuff like that so i thought mm-hmm. it was a really i again agreeing with you totally it was a, a really good job for voice acting in that regard again we talk about the ways that this show elevates itself beyond you know, traditional other, you know, comic book cartoons or animation that we've seen. And that absolutely was one of them. And I also want to shout out Michael Rooker as well as Yondu. I thought carried his scenes really, really yeah, well. He was strong. Just as yeah. his as his partner. He was really yeah. strong. And 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 I just I loved my favorite moment has to be with, with Yondu was how nervous he was in front of King T'Chaka, yeah. right? Just kind of not only because of <laughs> he stole his son, uh, <laughs> but but also because like you could sense that sort of nerves of like, 
I was his father and you're his father. Like there was that, that, that alignment there. And I just, it was so sweet. And I just, I, I, it brought me back to the whole aspect of him being Peter Quill's father again. Like it, they're just so smart with how they did this episode. I can't get over it. And I, I, I'm going to watch it again. (laughs) I think Kevin was saying the last one, like they managed to nail the Peggy Carter and Steve relationship, how that was nothing changed despite the roles being reversed. And I think the same thing goes with, again, Yondu in this one, like I said earlier, he just wanted to, be a dad and that still didn't change between the movie and this uh, uh, episode but where it did change was uh, the son taught him so much more sooner where sure. Peter Quill went along with him and all his down the bad path or you know off the beaten trail mm-hmm. they've already reached that point of like he he was looking at him as a son and I think maybe T'Challa was looking at him less of a father because he knew he had a father but more of like an uncle do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, so yeah. it's as kind a of guardian, like this, if you will, a guardian, <laughs> a guardian yeah. of the galaxy. Oh, so we well done, right? And they 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 bonded. I thought that was you know executed, and they still hit home that point that Yondu grew himself through the relationships he had with with Quill or T'Challa. So it, it's it's it was well done. I mean, talking about uh, you know uh, Yondu meeting T'Chaka just set up again. You know, an awesome really final scene with all the Ravagers interacting yeah. with the Wakandans. Again, it was there was the the Thanos line that I really liked. I also really liked uh, Craglin's throw a line about the jump gates, how they make your uh, your face go all wobbly, but they're really <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. that's yeah. that had Guardians too. We saw his face go all wobbly, and like yeah, they yeah, still. Yeah. It, I thought that was really cool. Little again throwback reference and the fact that the character is still the same as the other universe we saw him in. Yeah, that party scene made me so... It just... I couldn't stop smiling this entire mm-hmm. time. Well, they're friends. You know? It seems like they're friends Yeah, definitely now. a feel-good so, episode. It seems like, it seems like yes. the Ravengers and the uh, people from of Wakanda are going to be friends. So... Who knows? Again, do they have they opened another door to tell more stories in this timeline? I think so. If we get to, you know, what with with Quill at the end, right? You know, and well, and, I want to see them. Yeah, I hope no, we get yeah. more than just the comic book run. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, listen, I I want to get into our overall thoughts and final score for this episode, uh, which we're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five embers of Genesis. So remember that embers of Genesis, Justin. I'll make it easy on you. Let's start with yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a four out of five um, embers of genius, uh, whatever it was. Oh, so <laughs> close. Come on. So close. How does he still mess it up? <laughs> embers of Genesis. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, four out of five for sure. Uh, I think the voice acting alone helped elevate it. Uh, seeing characters in, in new roles like Thanos, but still having the heart like you were saying, Nate, of Guardians. Uh, it, it did everything that it needed to do to stay connected to where it was inspired from in the MCU and still putting twists and making it fun and interesting along the way. Pacing issues with that whole triple axle trick, whatever they were doing there. Triple, triple <laughs> bypass, triple... Uh, triple screw job. What do we call that? It's a triple screw job. Sure. Yeah, it was there we a, go. Right? But it, it wrapped it wrapped up the action at the end, of the fight sequence at the end, uh, seeing Howard the Duck. This episode was solid. Yeah, what a, what a great second episode to, to get. So four to five for sure. There we go. Kevin? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I love just what this episode was allowed to do because they could have you know they made the change at the beginning but instead of having to stick a bit more to a formula of a story they were able to just go anywhere and do anything and that's kind of like the adventures that chala had been going on and why he was the way he was and why the people around him were the way they were in this particular universe and 
You know, I think we start the adventure and they are the guardians of the galaxy for real. Whereas obviously in the movie, it takes a lot of growing from Peter and them coming together to become the guardians here. We Very just true. jump right yeah. in and they are the guardians. And yeah. it's, it just goes to show that profound impact that Chala has on people's lives. I'm not sure what that says about Peter Quill. If he like brings up maybe the worst <laughs> in people. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, so. I'm still mad at him from infinity war. So maybe I'm just oh, holding geez. some resentment about that, but I just thought, I love that this what if is what if these guys were actually good people. And so that's a fun, that was a fun take on it. And I think not only did it do that well, but it also set up an ending where I would like to see more in this timeline, just based on the characters. And I mean, my only drawback would be, I wasn't a huge fan of the collector. I mean, I think, they presented a cool character. I'm just not sure it came off that well for me. It was more like a shredder f- confronting the Ninja Turtles kind of vibe more than a big <laughs> MCU baddie. And so that, that was a little off-putting, but still doesn't hurt the score, I think. Just because of the heart that this episode had, it was slightly better than the first one. So I'm going to give this one 4.1 Embers of Genesis out of 5. Nailed it. All right. Awesome. Darcy, let's hear from you, my friend. Uh, yeah, I can't really say anything different than what the other guys said. I'm, I'm agreeing with Kevin in that uh, the Collector really didn't feel... It, it didn't come across as the Collector to me. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. I must say, because I didn't like the character that much, I really enjoyed the ending he got with Karina opening all the gates and then yeah. him obviously getting gang-stuffed by all his, his collection. So, yeah. oh, you can tell they just gave him a severe beatdown, and he's not getting back up from that. So, I I, I really enjoyed that. Kind uh, of like the fate of and, his brother, right? Kind of yeah, the same yeah, fate as his similar, brother. Very similar to Grandmaster. Oh, wow, now that you yeah. point that out, yeah, his his collection turned on him just like that. Yeah, I didn't know, notice that the first time. Yep. But yeah, another thing too was the like Justin said, the hiccup in the middle where that that where how they got from the point A to point B with that you know triple backstab, who's double crossing who type thing going on it felt clunky and for that reason it's going to be a bit of a lower score for me uh i still really enjoyed it though so i'm a solid 3.9 embers of genesis out of five because yeah like the some of the the writing and the pacing or dialogue just seems to be spotty in the show and i'm i'm hoping going forward we'll see you know some more consistency at least but uh, again this episode made me question what's what else happened in this universe so i, I can't complain yeah no and i think that that's the beauty of like even just I'm 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 looking forward to how all of the shows are really going to do that or just open another door for something else that could be told and and then somehow us popping back into into some of these rooms if you will right um mm-hmm. just it'll be fun to see how it is and 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 even off the first two episodes you can see that they're really doing that yeah yeah for sure well, this episode was perfect <laughs> for me. Um, and listen, you're, you're you're it's totally fine if you have your own opinions, even if they're wrong. I <laughs> I loved how this episode was utilizing the format of a Guardian storyline and these characters that you wouldn't expect show up. And I just love how familiar it was, but also it was so original at the same time. And, and Justin, you called it how bold it was to take Thanos and flip the script on him so easily, making a joke out of his entire character arc from the MCU we know. Uh, it's just cool because it it means that Marvel isn't too proud of these stories yes. and too proud of these characters. All too often, I want to I want Nintendo to do crazy things with their characters. I want them to have so much fun, but no, they're they have a rich lineage, a rich history, and they don't want to damage that in any way. And this just shows that Marvel's totally open to it. They're totally open to not necessarily damaging them, but it, it, but, but having its purpose. fun with them. Yeah, it serves and, its and, purpose. And making so <laughs> and making them. 
Yeah, exactly. And making them and, and making something new with them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I actually watched this episode twice in a row. I'm going to watch it so many more times, just like Guardians of the Galaxy. And I can't understate how much I enjoyed it. So I know it's early days uh, for this series, oh, but I'm happening. giving this episode. It's happening. Five out of five <laughs> embers of Genesis. We're feeding the whole galaxy what if tonight, it's capped boys. Out at episode two. Can't get any better <laughs> than this, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from here. Uh, all right. Well, listen, that is it for this second episode of our Watch Club for Marvel's What If. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And also, um, I don't know, you might, you might be pondering the question... What if you wanted to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in our Watch Club? Well, I will throw that question over to our resident timekeeper. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. I don't know. That was much better this week than last week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Old time radio, very much there. I like it. (laughs) There you go. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest content released on Disney Plus out now, including our wrap up for our previous Watch Club, our season one finale episode for Star Wars The Bad Batch with special guest Megan Clara Draws. We also had the chance to interview producer Andy Horwitz, where he discusses his role as a producer in Hollywood. Uh, And I'm so stoked to mention that we'll have our next Marvel review for Shang-Chi coming very soon. So definitely subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review if you don't mind. Justin, Darcy, and Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And even though we do not, cannot, and will not interfere, we are... The The Watchers. Watchers.